Hey everyone, we hope you're having a great week. My name is Eric Johnson, and along with my wife Candace, we are the lead pastors of Studio. We are based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we just want to take a moment and say hello and say thanks for listening to this podcast. So with that, let's get right to it. All right, we're going we gonna to scooch, we're going to scooch. So we've been in an interesting time, right? I've, I've been so struck by life these past five years going, what in the world is life right now, right? The summer of 2020 was quite interesting. It was actually one of the most painful years of my entire life. I did not think I could experience that much emotional pain. Uh, and, and as I was talking about it with the Lord, I realized it was because of what we call this perfect storm in the States. And some of you all may not be from the United States, uh, but not only were we experiencing a pandemic here, but we had two other whammies going on. We had political unrest in the land. Lord, help us continue to heal us from that. And we had racial unrest in the land. Now me, I'm kind of caught in that storm being a black woman and it was very personal for my heart, especially with, with the calling on my life. And I was driving one time, I, I retreated uh, back to Oklahoma City to be with my mama. How many of y'all know it's okay to go home to mama when your feelings is hurt, okay? Said, mama, please kiss my boobs, I, I need my mama. So I went home to Oklahoma and there's one day I'm just driving around Oklahoma City and I'm kind of praying, kind of not. And I hear the Lord tell me, Tanasha, I need you to give me your need to change the world. It has become an idol. Said, uh, I think I'm talking to Satan. <laughs> what? We're supposed to change the world. What you talking about? Give you my need to change the world. He said, I need to change the world. Well, yeah, we need to change the world. We out here, we Christians, we repping Jesus. He said, No, 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 no. It's become an idol. And then he asked me this question. And he said, I want you to go to John 3:16, and I want you to tell me about my kind of change. And I go to John 3, 6, I'm reading, I'm like, well, yeah, you guys will love the world. And he asked me, do you not think love is the most transformative force? Yeah, okay. Do you not think that? Do you not believe that? And I was like, well, I mean, is this a trick question? I feel like I'm supposed to say, yeah, I believe that. But he was exposing my heart that in my actions, in my own zeal, in my own internal wrestle, I did not actually believe that. I felt like influence was the greatest force to change the world. And he says, no, love is the greatest force to change the world. And that this began my own personal journey of unraveling and untangling these parts of my personal life that led me to that belief that was not a God belief, right? Has anybody been on a journey like that where you're like, something in my life ain't quite adding up with Jesus and I need to examine where I got this from. I'm gonna say a word real quick that some of you all might be triggered by. T to be honest, it's actually a little bit of deconstruction. Uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. Now, here's the truth. Deconstruction today has a shadow side, right? That oftentimes looks extremely demonic. But there is such a thing as healthy deconstruction. With Jesus, when he says repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When we repent, what are we doing? We are changing our thinking. We're not just changing our thinking out of something, we're also changing our thinking into something. 
And this is what Jesus was asking me to do. Tanasha, I need you to change your thinking from this thing of influence into this thing of love. And so I had to start this process of like, well, how did I get there? Now, I'm not gonna break down that full process today. To be honest, the message today is kind of a two-part message. I'm gonna give part one today. Um, because it brings up this conversation that we're having around the word reformation. Anybody heard that word a lot in this season? Yeah. A lot of the prophets have been saying we're in a reformation. And it's, become, it's becoming one of those words that's really cute now. Oh, we, we, we in reformation. Have you seen it? It's messy out here. We in reformation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what is reformation? How can we steward reformation if we don't know what reformation is? How can we actually answer the call to God reforming us if we don't know which forms he wants us to hand over to him? We, we have to like think a little bit further than just the rhetoric so that we can actually give our lives to what he's doing in our day. Now, I'm gonna be really honest. And this might be a little bit churchy for some of y'all, okay? Now, when I say churchy, that means folks that have been churched, okay? You've been sitting in pews for a while, so you know all the little Christianese language like anointings, uh-huh, callings, gifts that are irrevocable, right? You, you know all those phrases, right? But what I want us to get out of is all of the Christianese rhetoric and into the heart of God. Into the heart of God and back into the ways of Jesus. One of my favorite quotes by Bill Johnson is that Jesus is perfect theology. So if he is perfect theology, then he becomes the rubric whereby we measure everything against. Here is Jesus, and then here's my belief. Let me measure that up against Jesus's life, his walk, his temperaments, his heart posture, his behaviors, his practices. Do, do mine line up? Are they just good ideas? Or are they ancient of days ideas? Are they, you know, work for the moment, but do they work for generations? Jesus' ways work for generations. And when God moves in reformation, it's a generational move. He's, he's actually shifting what exists now in us because we got a little bit off track, but he's also thinking not just about you, but those that are coming after you that we would leave a better future for those that are coming after us, for those that we are discipling for our children and beyond. But what is Reformation exactly, okay? Just a little historical context. The definition of Reformation just means the action or process of reforming an institution or practice. Reform, re meaning again, form meaning to shape. So it means to be shaped again. This means you've been shaped at one point in time. So reform means to shape again, okay? This uh, word got really popular through uh, a man named Martin Luther, okay? Now, when Jesus was on the scene and then he died and he came back and then he ascended and he left the apostles to spread the gospel throughout the land. After that, you know, humans started humaning, as we say. <laughs> and we started getting all jumbled in our politics and in our own belief systems. And, and the Roman Empire, which was ruling in the area of what is now most of Europe and like England area and Northern Africa, uh, that area was so prominent in the development 
of a lot of what we call Christianity today. Well, in that day, it got really corrupt when they made Christianity the, the religion of the Roman Empire. Roman Catholicism gets started, and over time, it started looking a little bit corrupt, it started looking a little bit more humanistic, and people were being abused and misused and all kinds of theology that was causing unhealth in the body that did not look like Jesus, the rubric. So then here comes this man named Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King, now we like him too. But this is Martin Luther, okay, 1500s, all right? And he's like, no more. He actually had studied law, he was a, a monk, he had studied theology, and he's looking at the sacred scriptures and he's like, wait a minute, we doing stuff that ain't what Jesus said to do. So he nailed 95 theses to the wall of the, the front door of this church in Germany and said, yo, here's 95 ways we ain't doing this the way Jesus was doing this. Okay. Now, some of those ways can be debated. If you actually are one of those historians and theologians and you go and you study all the little things, just, just follow the principle here, right? Because nobody's perfect. But he had 95 theses that he said, this is off. Now, here are his three main things that he was showing were off. Instead of emphasizing grace and salvation um, through faith, the church at that time was emphasizing salvation through works, including like, give us money and we'll have your sins forgiven. That ain't what Jesus was flowing with. Uh, he also emphasized that there's authority in the scripture. There's authority in the words of what Jesus has left behind and the story of God that has been given to us. He was also emphasizing that the church, instead of this hierarchical structure with power at the top and the low people at the bottom, we're actually a community of believers, a priesthood of believers that are all supposed to represent the family of God. Those were like three major emphases that he had. This was painful to the Roman uh, Catholic rule to go, whoa, this is heresy. In fact, he was called a heretic and he was kicked out of, of the church. And was, it was at that time too, because power, politics and religion were entangled, he could be killed by anyone if he was found. So someone hid him away and he, he ended up translating the Bible into German language and, and it took him about 10 years. And this whole time, it was causing a stir and a shaking amongst people. And people were like, wait a minute, he's right. I'm looking at the scriptures too, hold up, no. There's something about this Jesus that was different than the way that we're doing it now. It was such a shock and a shake that it caused a break in the church. And it started the Protestant movement that ended up creating so many particular denominations that came from that. Most of us are sitting in here, if not all, because of that man nailing 95 theses on the wall, on the door. I believe we're in a time where God is saying, I need you to gather some, some points and nail them to the door. But what will these points be? We have to kind of look at what we need today. I want to read really quickly uh, the story of Zacchaeus because we're going to look at Jesus first before we get into our own ideas. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. So if you got your Bibles or your digital Bibles, go to Luke 19. We're going to read a little bit about Zacchaeus, this incredible, interesting man. I'm going to start reading here. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. I know how Zacchaeus feels. 
I couldn't get there either. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. A little look at Zacchaeus. In our day, he's the bad guy, okay? He is a tax collector whose job was, you know, go around, collect the taxes, except he go, instead of your bill of $43, your bill is $4,300, and I'm just going to keep the rest. He was that kind of guy. So when everybody saw him, they're like, you are the reason why my family's hungry right now. You're the reason why we have scum in this particular community, because you are taking advantage of your role and taking advantage of us. It, he would have been the person that was canceled in that day, okay, to connect it to our day. He would have been canceled, all right? He was hungry, though, searching. Says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. And imagine in his journey what he actually felt. First, he was just frustrated because he's short and he can't get to Jesus, right? And then all of a sudden, he feels seen. Jesus looks up and he sees him. He feels invited into his home to actually dine with Jesus. He feels chosen. Then he feels a little shame, but then he feels fought for. This journey of this man who was canceled, Jesus didn't treat him as if he was canceled. Jesus saw him and extended belonging to him. I noticed in our day, we have culture in the world. Now, the world's gonna do what the world's gonna do. But see, when Reformation comes, it's not the Lord correcting the world, it's the Lord correcting his church. His body, his believers, his family, the ones that are reconciled to him who are to carry his nature. And he says, because I love you, I will discipline you. Because I love you, I want to shape you and mold you. And so in this particular moment that we're in, I noticed that a lot of us are kind of picking up on what we would call the spirit of the age, okay? Now, if I was to translate that into California talk, it's the vibe, all right? The vibe. <laughs> The vibe of the times, right? Everybody canceling everybody. That is the spirit of the age, the day that we're in, right? Why is that in the church? Why is that in us? I think a lot of times it's in us because many of us carry that belief that I even had. We want to change the world. But when we get so caught up with changing more than loving, we'll fall into a pathway of wanting to control and not serve. Jesus here was not trying to change Zacchaeus. He was trying to see him. He was trying to love him. He was trying to bring him near. He was trying to extend to him the very atmosphere of heaven, which is an atmosphere of belonging. An interesting story that's really touched me uh, is by this man uh, named Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis is an African-American man and, in the 1980s, he was playing in this like uh, blues country band and playing in the South. And you know, the South has a lot of wounds of racism. And while he was playing in this, in this like little bar one day, this man comes up to him, a white man, and he goes, oh my gosh, it's the first time I have ever seen a black man play. And he's like, what? You, 
the first time ever playing this genre. And then he said, let me get you a drink. I said, okay, sure. He orders a little cranberry juice. He goes, you know, this is the first time I've ever had a drink with a black man. And he goes, the other guy's like hitting him on the arm. Tell him why. Tell him why it's the first time. He goes, because I'm a member of the KKK. Ooh. <laughs> Daryl Davis is like, whoa, wait a minute. Now, the KKK, for those who may not know, is the Ku Klux Klan. It's a white supremacist organization that has been responsible for killing and brutalizing many black communities. So he's sitting here with this man going, what should I do? Am I safe right now? And the man gave him a card. A few years goes by and he goes, I wanna, I wanna talk to that man again. He's writing a book of some sort. He's like, I wanna talk to this man. And so he has his, his assistant call up this person who at that point had become an imperial wizard, meaning he's at the top of the clan at this point. And he asks him for an interview. The guy shows up with the bodyguard and they sit down for a conversation. And he wasn't trying to change him, but he wanted to know, how can you hate me when you don't know me? Hmm. So they started a conversation. Conversation didn't get too far, but the guy was willing to come back again. And again, and again, and again. And years of conversations were happening between this black man and this imperial wizard of the Klan. And he was bringing Jewish people to the table. He was bringing other black people to the table. He was bringing people that are normally ostracized by the Klan. And he was saying, we should talk to figure out why there's hate. And through breaking of bread and belonging around a table, broke the back of hatred through belonging. This man has been responsible for 60 people directly leaving the Klan and indirectly 200 people leaving the Klan. He has their robes now because many of them have given him his, their paraphernalia and he's going to make a, a library and a, a museum to show what belonging and love can do. And I look at this and I'm like, that's an extreme case. But it's powerful, right? What about the not so extreme cases with the marginalized? The unhoused? The Black Lives Matter movement? those who are fighting for another campaign for President Trump? What about the immigrants that are trying to get into the country? The foreigner? What about our neighbor? What about the person we keep walking past in the back row of the pew? What does it look like to be the one that says, I see you and I'm coming to your house today? I'll sit with you and dine with you and talk with you and hear your story. Because how could there be hate between us if I don't know you? How could we be the church only trying to bring influence and not be the ones looking like Jesus saying, I want to see you. I want to know you. The transformation of Zacchaeus, it says that he tells Jesus, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Did Jesus tell him to do that? He didn't tell him to do anything. He didn't instruct him, he didn't coerce him, he didn't control him. He saw him. And the atmosphere of belonging got all over him and all of a sudden he is now awakened to there's a better way. I gotta get in this way. As a matter of fact, Christianity used to be called the way. And it's time for us to get back to those ways. Yeah. Yeah. The ways of Jesus, not the ways of control. Yeah. 
the ways of Jesus, not the ways of blind influence. The ways of Jesus that looks like washing feet and serving, even when it makes us uncomfortable. It costs Jesus his reputation. All of the Pharisees going, I can't believe you're eating with the sinner. And y'all have to understand, in that time, it was Jewish custom to not eat with the sinner. Jesus was forsaking his own ethnic and religious custom to go and dine with that man. What customs do we have that are just cherished customs, but when we use Jesus as the rubric, it looks completely different. We're at a crossroads right now, I'm gonna land this plane. <laughs> We're at a crossroads right now where I believe Jesus is reforming and reshaping us so that we can look like him. I wanna read this quote, and then I wanna go into just a brief time of ministry. It's about shalom. Because God's ultimate plan is not about behavior modification. His ultimate plan is not about perfectionism. His ultimate plan is about oneness. His original intent in Genesis was everything was created in complete harmony and oneness. There was a connection to God, a connection to the cosmos, a connection to our true identities in God, a connection to others, a connection to eternity. All of this was broken. And God's like, that's all right, baby. I got me a plan called reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. And this is going to not bring me a plan B, it's to go get my plan A, which is oneness, right? So we are a part of his plan for oneness. We have actually, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. So this is sacred. We've been entrusted with it, with the ministry of shalom. I'm gonna bring up Brittany and, and Kim, if y'all would come. And this is a, a quote by this guy named Randy Woodley. He is actually an indigenous theologian. And there's something so powerful about even leaning into other tribes and, and hearing what God is saying through people who don't think or look like you because he's speaking through the diversity of the body of Christ. And I hear different things when I go to different people that carry a different flavor of who he is. And this, this theologian says this, when I think about a community of believers, I first think of Trinity. It is the three in the community of God that gives the construct transformative power. God as one is a benevolent dictator. God as two is an intimate partnership, but God as three in one, now that's a, a divine community of persons living out their existence in complete deference to one another. The economy of the Trinity, God's DNA if you will, is shalom. That biblical system of love and grace, of well-being and wholeness, shalom is God's original intention for all creation living on the earth in harmony together. Before we even get to being the ones who are carrying this reformation of belonging, I believe we must first be brought back into belonging ourselves. And as I was praying, um, go ahead and start playing. As I was praying, I felt like God actually wanted to move in some emotional healing today. Because many of us are unable to carry belonging ourselves because we're fighting. We're protecting our wounds. We're afraid of what could happen if that person does this thing. Oh, I don't trust you. There's, there's so much ache and pain and trauma and woundedness and some of it is stuff that's happened to you and some of it's stuff that happened to other people and it was passed down to you. I feel like God is saying, I'm gonna put a stake in the ground today. 
And we're going to begin healing from that so that you can move forward in being complete conduits of belonging and being the ones that belonging can fill and be released from. But it's hard to move in belonging when you're rejecting belonging yourself. And I feel like God wants to first meet us there. And there were some specific groups of people that he was highlighting to me. People that were in a space where you feel like you just don't belong. Like you feel like you've never belonged. Like you were that, that outcast in society. And, and if I could actually have my, um, any home pastors, home group leaders, our core team, um, we're gonna just pray for some people. So as I list out different, different categories here, if this has been hitting your heart already and you know, oh my gosh, I'm that one that feels like I haven't belonged. I want you to have some courage and stand because we wanna pray for you. And then I also wanna pray for everyone. We wanna pray for you specifically. There's another group of people that I saw have been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by either church leadership, communities, there's been injustices in the church, there's been mistakes that were never cleared up. If that's you, you've experienced some church hurt, could you please stand? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Yeah. I feel like there's many that just have not felt understood because you've been that eclectic one. That artist or free spirit or free thinker. Many people might try to put you in the hippie movement or you're just that entrepreneur with all those crazy ideas you just have not norm fit in what was called normal if that's you if you would please stand I also saw people that had experienced childhood trauma of bullying as well as neglect or betrayal or direct trauma from your parents and you didn't even feel belonging in your family or in your community because of your parents or because of bullying if that's you, if you could please stand. Amen. Thank you. If we could have any of our team go to them right now, please. Anyone that's standing. We're just going to pray for you. Because what I believe God's doing right now, it's the same thing that Jesus did with the disciples. Before he entrusted them with the ministry of reconciliation, he let them come close to him. He let them receive and experience his nature and they got healed up and they got seen and prophesied into and hearts transformed. And many of you all have been feeling like, I've got to carry all these things for the kingdom. I, I got to be perfect in this. And God's like, no, you could, you, you could just be mine right now. You could just be my beloved. And if you're also around someone and you feel compelled to join in these prayer circles, please please go ahead and join. Let's go ahead and begin praying for them. I'm gonna pray aloud, but if you all just begin praying for them. God, I thank you. I thank you for your heart, your nature that is belonging. I thank you for your, your spirit that brings a healing balm to hearts, God. I thank you that you have a shalom that every, every infracture, every injustice, every hard moment of their lives, God, that was not how you rightly intended it. And God, I thank you that you have had a plan to get us back into what you did rightly intend. And so I release right now into this room, God, shalom. 
what you have rightly intended for these beloved hearts of yours. I pray peace to their hearts. I pray right now, God, for the places where there is woundedness and it's gotten calloused over, God, begin to soften the soil of their heart. I pray that you would come close, that you would delight in them right now, Father, and that you would touch them, Father, that their hearts would be completely moved, moved, God, moved to a newness right now in the name of Jesus. I come against right now every word curse that anybody has ever said about you that you'll never be this you'll never be that or you're to this or you're to that I come against that right now in the name of Jesus and I bless you I say you are a beautiful child of God I say you are his beloved and you have permission to receive his love and we release his love to you right now in the name of Jesus and I declare that you belong to him you belong to his family you belong to his plans and his purposes on your life. And I seal this in the name of Jesus, in his blood that he shed on the cross, that we would all be able to enter into belonging, every single one of us. And I pray for studio, that we would be an atmosphere of belonging, that we would carry belonging, God, for those on the fringe, those on the front lines those that are in the mix, those that are high, those that are low, God, that we would be no, uh, that we would not have any kind of particular thing about any person, but that we would see the image of God in every person, we would draw them close. Do it first in us, God. Do it first in us. Thanks for listening, and we hope this talk benefits you in every way possible. For more information about Studio, you can go to studiogreenville.com or go to Instagram and look for studio.greenville. We would also love it if you would leave a review and hit those five stars. Other than that, have a great week and we'll see you soon.